0: the final whistle podcast. I'm Marvin Agueta, joined by Ben Kane. This is our first ever episode that we're going to be discussing soccer, in-depth analysis, all the sports, all the biggest leagues in the world. Ben, how are you, man?
1: I'm great because you've just said the MLS is one of the biggest leagues. In the world, <laughs> so that's a win for me. That's a win for me,
0: man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, what is, Yeah. we're going to be discussing a lot on this podcast. We're going to be discussing. Some of the biggest games that being be happening in the world, some of the biggest stories, including a lot of things that are happening in the world of football in the last couple of weeks. We'll get into all of that. And we obviously, Ben, have to start with the Manchester Woo. Derby. It was uh, early on a, a big uh, surprise for Manchester United yeah. in that first half, but eventually Manchester City get another three points and get a huge victory. What was your reaction from the game?
1: It's probably, one of the worst Manchester years. it's probably one of the worst Manchester derbies I've ever watched. Um, we were talking about it, I think it was 2013-14. One of my favorites, the Van Persie free kick in like the 96th minute. Compared to that game, this was terrible. City, all of their goals, I would say, apart from Riyadh's first goal, just how do you concede those? Like it's It's just terrible defending. But then City as well, they weren't aggressive at all. And when I was watching it, it looked like City just didn't want to score. Like, usually, like, they score one and then it's like, we're going to go again and go again. Terrible. Rodri had a shocker in the F- Sancho goal. I don't know what your thoughts are. Jack Grealish stinks. He, he can't score. Every Jack Grealish is best and he's on the left and he cuts in on his right. And now they're trying to make him overlap with Cancelo or Walker on the other side. Like, terrible. It was a terrible game. I don't know what your thoughts are. I hated watching it.
0: You know. <laughs> you know, it was interesting because for me, I would say Manchester City in that first half, they had some struggles, especially the way United go- went out with Fernandez and Pugba as the two front players. So did you did you watch Pep during like at the first minute? Yeah, he was
1: frantic. Yeah, he didn't know what was happening.
0: Yeah, he he was like, what? What? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, so it, it was interesting. I thought the lineup for City was kind of expected. I think everybody we thought was going to m- make the lineup. De Bruyne played pretty well, got the goal early on. Um, yeah, the greenish. Thing issue has still been, you know, the the frustration of yourself and Manchester City fans because he's been a player that they they paid a hundred million for him, and he has, (laughs) and he just hasn't performed. But in this game, I mean, he had flashes, some flashes here and there. I thought Phil Foden though had another terrific game. I think Manchester United's defense really just (laughs) couldn't figure out where Folding was going because he was kind of their false nine, moving to the left, moving to the right, kind of everywhere. And on the Manchester United side, I mean, my goodness, they just don't (laughs) know what to do. Like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was out of this game, of course, so, you know, that was a factor. And obviously there's reports out of what happened to him. Was he, you know... You now going to play cuz there's an injury or you know he wasn't going <laughs> to me on the starting lineup so he was on the bench so on the united point of view i just would look at it as just a team that's just struggling to find an identity of what it wants to do and now ralph raudnick is just putting out a lineup that sometimes it's just you're just kind of scratching your head he's trying to put a new formation and it's just not working i think that first half, I think the struggles City had early on was trying to figure out what they were trying to do because it was unique. They were playing more of a four-two-four-two. Yeah. And Pep will kind of, you know, it took City a little bit, and once they kind of took the lead back, I think from there on, they dominated that game. But Manchester United, that second half, my goodness, that was horrible. That was horrible. That second half was just awful from United.
1: I mean, I think one of the stats was 97% possession in the last 15 minutes. That's unheard of. And Pep didn't, in his post game didn't even, he was like, oh, I didn't even know that happened. He's like, we could have had 100%. And I was like, I mean, but you talked about United kind of falling off. My yeah. question for you here is, are they out of the top four at this point?
0: Well, right now, so the top four is City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Look. Le- they're kind of the three that are gonna be right there. Arsenal right now are fourth with forty eight points, forty eight points right now. With two games, uh three more games than United. United's fifth with forty seven. West Ham have forty five. I look at it right now as you know, ex, and I was having a conversation with this yet, with someone yesterday. It was like this team coming into the season were were looked at as title contenders. Yep. They added Cristiano Ronaldo, they added Raheem Varane. they added Jaden Sancho, and we thought, okay, this is a team that was was it, I believe it was second place or, or third, yeah. either second or third. And we thought, okay, with the additions of these players, they can make a run at the title. And now we're looking at them as, are they going to make Champions League football? And you know, it's. I, I'm not, honestly, I look at Arsenal. They're a team that right now are in great form right now under Mikel Arteta. They are great. They're playing amazing. And they have three extra games to be played. And United right now, I've st- as I mentioned before, they just don't know what to do. They have different formations, they have different players. There's players that are unhappy. There's reports out everywhere that they're not liking the system, they're not liking the way everything's being run. Even look at an example as Marcus Rashford, a player who has. Lacked confidence He was on the bench Actually He was their only Striker that they could have Brought to that starting 11 Even Ragnick Put him on the bench And put Pogba And, and Fernandez and Alanga
1: started up top too. And
0: Alanga as well <laughs> So it tells you a lot Of just where this United team The only bright spot Of this United team Is Jaden Sancho yeah. Who's Under Ragnick Has played much Much better than he did Under Ali So For me As right now You know we, we could change our point I think right now I think Arsenal will get in because Arsenal's playing great football. They've been getting good results. Even against Manchester City, that game they lost, they played really well. It was a close game. To really well. Game. Obviously, there were some controversies <laughs> there, but they have really stepped up under the new manager. Some of the young players, Smith Rowe, um, um, Saka, who's been terrific. they just been... Martinelli. Martinelli. Sure. Their yeah. young players are starting to grow, and some of their experienced players as well. So... They, right now, look like a very confident team. And I just look at this United team, and it's, I just don't believe they will get it. And for a team that matches United, the status of matches United to be from title contenders to not making the Champions League, that would be a huge disappointment.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about Arsenal. We can kind of get into that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal, obviously, had their game this weekend. I think it was, was it 4 nothing? Yeah. Or it was insane. But every goal, too. It was like... Arteta is learning so much from Pep yeah. that he's just—he's a mastermind. And it took him a few years. It took him a few years, but right—the fact that they stuck with him and they just let him go and work. <laughs> yeah, at, like it's the way he makes triangles on the field that, like, other managers—if you you gotta learn from Pep how to do that yeah. and how to get past right out of pressure. And I, I just wanted
0: to touch on that. Yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah. so yeah, that was interesting. You brought up Arsenal because I think. You know, some of the questions we had coming into the season, and, and mind you, they had a bad start to the season. They did not Ran start really well. They were really struggling early on. And there was pressure on Arteta to, to get results because there was rumors that he was going to get sacked. But he stepped up, and the players stepped up. And also, the biggest thing I think even even talked about was the decision to bench and to get rid of Abamyang. I think when you look at that decision, it's changed completely, this whole football club, completely. And they, now they're in a position where they're playing free, the young players are getting around. the uh, round. Even Lacazette, who's kind of the veteran of that team, has really played well. Good Lincoln play, as you mentioned, with the triangles. And defensively, they have found their, their back four, I think, that will fit because, you know, Arsenal has always had issues defensively. And let's also talk about their goalie. Uh, Ramsdale, who's oh, been terrific. Right <laughs> he's been terrific. I mean, he's probably been one of the biggest um, summer window signings oh, yeah. this whole season. So for me, this team has really kind of picked up its level, and I, I didn't expect that for an Arsenal team that still, you know, been struggling for the last couple of years to get any even close to the Champions League position.
1: We can kind of tie it back in DNI yeah. as well, because obviously you brought up Aubameyang and that's yeah. a big decision to drop him. Yeah. The same goes for Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw? One of the best uh, left-backs of the Euros, yeah. came in thinking he was going to be the best left-back in the world, mm-hmm. started that way, and then he dropped him for Telles, And it's not the same result, though. No. Like, it's two world-class players. Obviously, Shaw had the upper hand on Aubameyang at that point. Right. Still, the point's still there where Rankic's trying to make those de- decisions. And it's just not working out for
0: him. I think the biggest thing with this Arsenal team right now, when I look at it, is structure. They have organization. They they did their signings were terrific, and I think that's the biggest thing between Manchester United and Arsenal, is that Arsenal understand that they're going to they were rebuilding when when um Wenger left. You know, it was a struggle for the last couple of seasons. Yeah and they understood when they got arteta all right this is going to be a reproject this is going to be a rebuild we understand we have to grow our young players and you know some of the young players stepped up Sokka, i think has been a terrific player he's been i think he will make a big move to another bigger club if it's possible you know if arsenal don't work yeah. out like there've been rumors that maybe city want to get him we'll see how that goes but when i look at this that's a difference yeah. in my opinion since sir alex has left this club manchester united has struggled just struggled, have haven't won a Premier League title. They've been a, a team that's been a, in a downfall. Terrible decisions. has spent over a, a billion dollars in the last decade, and they just cannot figure out a direction. And that's been the issue. Even with a manager, they can have a good manager, but sometimes it, even that doesn't work if you don't have structure from the top down. And we yeah. see that. So that Arsenal Football Club has figured it out, and that's why right now they're in the top four. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. I think it's kind of something. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to transition it. I mean, you're talking about rebuilding and, like, you have to buy into that system. Yeah. West Ham. Yeah, West Ham. But they had that same kind of thing when Slavon Bilic came in. I don't know if you remember the Serbian man who's... I think he's at West Brom right now, Yeah, he was, but... He got them into the Europa League, and then after that, it was just downhill quick. And they've gone through this managerial turmoil. Yeah. Now it seems like they have it with David Moyes, where he's going to be the one to take them to the next level. Yeah. It was working last year, but I mean, we could talk about that game. Uh,
0: yeah. No, West Ham. I, I think it was it was it was a close game against Liverpool. Liverpool have obviously a, a team that's just right now they're right there between City and them. But West, going to your point with West Ham. You know, they had some good, you know, they had good opportunities. They could have easily got a draw in this. I think Liverpool, you know, are lucky enough to, to have the win. But West Ham are a team that I think, when you look at it, I think they don't have enough. I think they're also are looking at it as Europa League as well. I think that's an opportunity where they can also strive and try to win. And, you know, Liverpool right now, if looking at the Liverpool point of view, they're really... This is going to be a, a, a huge test for them because I think I believe their schedule they have 2 weeks they're going to play Manchester City. Yeah, it's, it's City they play City there's a game Believe in city, yeah. yes. And that's going to be the game where I think that's going to tell you who's going to win the title. Yeah. And for me when I look at it, you know, West Ham our team I think, you know, they're they're still not out of the top 4 race. We saw this last year as well when they had Jesse Lingard and they were kind of going off as well. I just believe not enough David Moyes. I have give him credit he's kind of come back out of nowhere you know he was with Manchester United he got sacked he went to I believe he uh, he went to Sutherland didn't work out he, he went to same. Roussa say, yeah, as well <laughs> didn't work out and, and he's been just coming back and he resurrected himself to a West Ham team I think it fits well this team is really good and especially I love there's two uh, center defensive midfielders Rice and Sunchak yeah Awesome. Love watching those two together. They're one of the best duos in the Premier League. So, I, I think, you know, can they sort of get into the top four position? In my opinion, no. But, you know, anything's possible. Yeah,
1: I mean, one of the big things that's always been a on-and-off thing for West Ham is strikers. Yes. So they used to have, I think he was like, Mauro Zaratez, y- Diafra Sacco, uh, Valencia. Like, they had all these.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Then they went through none. Yeah. And then they got... It's just back and forth, but the big thing here was for me in this game was Antonio, and I just put in my notes, Antonio is Antonio. He doesn't, <laughs> like... I mean, <laughs> he has moments. He has moments. He does have really good moments. Moments. He was a right back when he came from yeah, it NK Dons, I think. Yeah. Um, And he just keeps moving around the field. He had that spurt at the beginning of the season where he was unstoppable, and now he's just back to being Antonio. So they need a striker. He, yeah. I don't think he's a striker. Yeah. I think he's more... I would honestly put him as a wing back, mm. uh, at a, in a wing back and a three back system. I think not
0: that's the one like that. thing that you could say about West Ham as, as one position they're lacking is a striker, a truly uh, yeah. striker that can help this team score goals because they get plenty of opportunities. But Can Antonio, you know, when he's not when he's not hitting, you know, that's kind of where this team struggles. So I think that's a position they probably want to improve. I think they were trying that during the window and they just couldn't get anybody. Yeah. But Antonio has been a player, I think he's the all-time leading scorer he's, in West yeah, Ham got, history, it's incredible.
1: 50 Premier League goals, or 50, probably 51. Incredible, now, yeah.
0: who knew? From a guy you just said is a, is a, is a wing back, so <laughs> who knew, um, but it's crazy. But let, let me ask you this, Ben, because you you were on the Premier League topic as well, yeah. and we kind of have to talk about the debut of Jesse Marsh. The American coach making his debut for Leeds United, so what do you what did you saw from his first game? So,
1: Bob Bradley was the I believe the first coach, and he was terrible. Yeah. Um, I have higher expectations for Jesse Mars. <laughs> he's just he's just interesting. I think the uh, the clip at the end of the game says it all. Yes. He tried to pull them all in for a mm. huddle. At the end oh of the yeah. Game. But my biggest thing is, this is Bielsa's team that mm. he's had for years. Biel- he loves playing Bielsa ball. We all know that. Yep. How is Jesse gonna take that out of their heads? That's the biggest test for him. It's a, the squad he has. Obviously, it's injury riddled. Like, yeah. it's gonna take him a while to get back that full team with Bamford, Harrison, um, Rafinha, R- yes, all yes, big guys. But how do you ins- not tell them to play Bielsa ball? Is gonna be really tough for him. And if he can't, I think they gotta give him time because they have to realize like Bielsa's a mastermind. There's yes, no, there's no way around that. Yes. But, give Marsh time to get them out of that system. Mm-hmm. They did bad against Leicester. Schmeichel just had a really good game, and I think that's one of the main reasons they won that game, but yeah. if he can kind of get his system in before the end of the season, I think he'll be fine, but
0: they got to give him a lot of time for this. It's crazy. I think this team will survive right now. Let's look at... They're right now two points ahead of the relegation zone as we speak right now, and one of... I think the, I think he they survive yeah. I I think you know once they get healthy they get Banford's back, um, and they get Colin Phillips back I think they, balls, will, yes, they will yes that's still I believe they have enough to survive um here's the thing with Jesse March and I've been following him since the Red Bulls days yeah. love guess what he loves to do high press does it at the highest level you know we saw him do it even at in Germany as well and I think the one of the biggest things been for me, uh, different than the Brad, the Bob Bradley, uh, you know, appointment. <laughs> <laughs> the appointment was that the difference is he actually has European experience. Bradley came from a position where he had no European experience at all going into Swansea City, a team that was even struggling in the bottom. So it's completely different situations. I think for Marsh, despite even if they get relegated, I still believe he will keep the job. I think he has a style that could work with this team. I believe it's not Bielsa's style. But I think it's similar enough where this team could actually thrive in. And, you know, they like to high press. I think they'll do that really well. Um, They'll probably concede a lot of goals. I think that still might be an issue um, moving forward but as far as right now I think we're not going to see a lot of changes as far as the team right now because usually we see with managers especially they come in mid-season it takes them a while to put their system so to see you know and at least United lose. Obviously, it's not a good result for Jesse March, but I still believe they have enough when they get healthy to uh, to stay in the, to stay in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, no, on, on their day they're European side. It's yeah. Just, how do you get back to that point? And that's gonna take a while.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a huge, 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 huge question for for this team. Um, ben, let's get let's get into Chelsea. It was been a huge talking point this whole week. With the news of uh, um, Abramovich, their owner, going to be open to sell the club, despite all that news, everything that's going on in Chelsea Football Club, they still get a huge four nothing win. What, what was your takeaway from that game?
1: There's there's two big points. Number one, as an American, Christian Pulisic right now is completely oh there you go, completely underrated. There you go. He is the Swiss Army knife of this Chelsea team. And there that's you go. Upset. The second point I had was. Kai Havertz is filling in gaps right now. Okay. He's plugging every... He's he's basically... Both hands are out and both feet are out, and he's plugging in every single gap around him, trying not to let the water sink in. <laughs> he, like, he, like, reminds me of a, a younger... Like, I guess he is younger. But, like, when Delhi was in his prime, yeah. that's what he reminds me of. But Kai's way more creative than that. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds a way to get into the box and create those opportunities, but he's also showing that Chelsea don't really need a striker, and that's the same thing that City have been doing lately, where... They're proving that you don't need a striker. You can play with the false nine, you can play with the cam as your highest player, and you can still make things work. Like Timo, right. for example, he's going to be a better winger. I think that's pretty certain right now is that when at Chelsea's best, he'll be on the wing, playing on the right side or the left side. Lukaku, bye. Go back to answer. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but I think Kai just fills in the gaps. and I mean, he had two goals in that game. He was fantastic, so he's going to be a player for chelsea and down the road that's going to be crucial because he can find ways to get goals when they don't have them which is what he's doing right now
0: yeah i saw a conventional win christian pulisic played well i thought you know i agree with you with kai Havertz. i like this player you know yeah. I, I it's weird because i still believe he's kind of not found his position yet he's like a number 10 but a number nine so like he's still trying to find his position i think he's still a player that could grow and i think he can elevate you know, Christian got a great goal. I think this team, went fully healthy, they were great. I, they didn't have Kovacic start. They had Jorginho and Conte start. But Kovacic uh, was on the bench who I'm a big fan of. I mean, I believe, which game was it? Last week? Oh, man. He, he just put on an absolute clinic yeah. in the midfield. And, you know, this Chelsea team we thought coming in, they were going to be... I, I had them as my team to win the Premier League. <laughs> Clearly, I was wrong. I'll take the L on that one, but... This is a team that, you know, right now they're still in Champions League. They're a team that if they could find a way to, you know, get rid of all the adversity that's happening off the pitch and focus on the pitch, I think this is a team that, you know, I think Champions League is probably their best bet right now. You know, they're right now, let's see, 16 points off Manchester City. He hey, they're not catching them, <laughs> no. The way City goes on these runs sometimes, they're not catching them. And you know what? For this football club, I think right now is also to figure out who's going to stay and then who's going to leave. Because, you know, we this team has a lot of depth, but we also need to find out some answers from some of these players. Like Christian Pulisic, you know, has been in and out of the lineup. Let's see if he could stay in the starting lineup and play well. Lukaku, as you mentioned, I mean, that whole saga has been—, I've been I'm a fan of Lukaku. Oh, I like him. I like it's him. It's great. Um, I thought it would work. I thought when they made that signing, that record signing, I thought it would work because I thought they needed a key forward to score goals because clearly uh, Thibaut Warner was not good enough. Um, it's It's been a struggle. And I think under two-goal system, it's different than he was at Inter because he played with Otavo Martinez, who was fantastic. Those two trios together were just great for Inter under Antonio Conte. And I just believe he plays by himself. He doesn't get a lot of touches, and it just – it makes him lack confidence, and I think that's kind of the issue with Lukaku, but this Chelsea team still have an opportunity to win trophy, and that's another Champions League title, and we'll see, but right now, they got a 4 nothing win, they clearly have a lot going on in their football club, so we'll see. All right, Ben, let's move on to La Liga, one of the huge talking points has been Barcelona. They uh, got a close win against Elche, 2-1. It was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, controversy in the end with some of these handballs, but in the end, Barcelona get a 2-1 win. What is your big takeaway from Barcelona? They get a huge win, three points, and now kind of, added that, not out of it, but now move to third place in La Liga right now.
1: I, I think the biggest talking point is what we talked about before it. Dani Alves got outworked. <laughs>
0: we were talking about this. <laughs> he mentioned
1: it. Yeah. Xavi's got to look. I, I, know, I know he doesn't like Serginho. but most of Dani Alves' is, is, wasn't positional things. I think Serginio had like is good enough positionally where he can figure it out. Yeah. It was speed and it was physicality, and Dani Alves just got outworked in that sense. I think there was two or three times I remember watching where he just could not keep up, even with the slow yeah. strikers. So definitely that side is exposed and if Manny Alves continues to play there it's just going to get targeted yeah and when you I mean when you put so many shots on goal and when you're running at an older PK as well like I don't think I think Arroyo played on that side which is very smart which is very smart but he's still a younger center back so needs experience so if they're running at those two it's going to cause a lot of problems I need to figure that one out
0: yeah, I, I agree with you there. Barcelona, I think, had plenty of, of chances in that first half. Rankin Young had missed a couple of, of sitters. Uh, could have really changed the game in the first half. You know, uh, Pedri's mistake. Uh, good assist. Really it was good, a assist. good It was an assisted opposing <laughs> team and, uh, you know, led to the goal. Obviously, on the right-hand side, as you mentioned, to Dani Alves' side, and obviously Alves has no speed <laughs> as he used to have and, you know, led to the goal. But Barcelona showed something. They showed character, especially in that second half when they put on Fernand Torres. Gabby didn't have a good first half. Ferran Torres, as much as we, you know, he's been really criticized for the lack of finishing and scoring goals. I think he really changed that second half. The way his pace, the way he was making his runs, he had plenty of opportunities. Yes, he scored a goal, but he had other opportunities he didn't finish. But in the end, this Barcelona team showed character. They brought in Memphis Depay. They have plenty of options. The Dama right as well. You know, they have options um, before that they didn't have. And, you know, the midfield played pretty well. I thought uh, Pedri had uh, an average game to the Pedri standards that I always have on, on him. And I think Araujo and Pique played pretty well. So, you know, Ter Stegen with a couple of uh, huge saves. And this team, for me, showed character. So this is four straight wins for Chabi. This is going to be a huge uh, point going into... In two weeks against real Madrid, the a rematch of, of the classical that they had a couple of weeks ago so this is going to be a huge Tyson. and this is the first time they go in four straight in one in the in one year and yeah. they haven't won four straight so it's gonna be a huge question
1: my one question really yeah. for you is obviously you said like Fernand changed the game yeah his criticism comes mostly yeah. because of his not his lack of production but when he came on i think he played striker at the beginning and then yeah. shifted him out wide what is his... I I personally think he's a winger more, and I think he'd get a lot less cursive than he played out there. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think is his best position right
0: now? That's a good, good question. Um, When I look at it, I think Fernand... It's weird because in Manchester City, he played more on the right. For Spain, he plays more on the right. He clearly is playing more on the left under Chabi, and either that or he's playing more of a striker position. I look at Fernand, and I look at him more as a right winger. Okay. I think that's his best position. I've seen him in City play that best position. I kind of... From the right, he could go forward inside, and I think that's his best position. As a natural striker, I don't believe that's his best position. Neither the left. It's For me, it's really weird. Even with the national team, he plays on the right, so I think his best position is the right winger, but right now he cannot play that because Osman Dembele and Charore are kind of on the right-hand side, but he is very versatile where he could go to the left. It's not really his best position, but he can play there, so I think there's you know, we'll, I think Usman Dembélé will leave in the summer and I think that's kind of where he'll spot be. Yeah. So I think that's a good question regarding what's going to happen with Fernand, but he's been he's been okay. I think he's yeah. the one player that's got a lot of criticism of the new winter signings, but I think he scored a goal. He tied the game. You know, he had opportunities. It was the goal. He's made some heck of a saves and, you know, I think eventually, he'll, it's a, right now it's just a mental thing. And once he gets over that hump and gets maybe two, three goals... He'll he'll lead Because we've seen In the national team He's a clinical Yeah He's a clinical (laughs) finisher Has 11 goals And 21 appearances So (laughs) he When he's going He could get going So that's how I look At Fernando Torres Yep Now let's move on To Real Madrid The rivals They get a huge win Ben Real Madrid did some changes Carlos Ancelotti Wanted to, to make some changes In the midfield With some of their Their upcoming Champions League game Which we'll We'll get into a little bit But they get a huge win So what do you What was your reaction From Madrid? Get a huge 4-1 win I mean
1: first of all It's Kavavinga and Modric We can't not talk Yeah about I, There you go Before I get into my one big point
0: Yeah Who had the better goal Moldrich. Okay. Moldrich. So that's also what I said. <laughs> Moldrich. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It's Moldrich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Um,
1: so my biggest point was yeah. Benzema needs to be involved in every single attack because every time they were getting forward and creating changes, yeah. he was the focal point of that attack. Whether he was dropping in deep, playing out on the wing, you have to mark him. He's like... He's like a playmaker at that yeah. point. Like he's like a De Bruyne, where wherever he is, he can do whatever he wants. Yes. you know he's a clinical striker, but now that he's dropping deeper, he's creating these pockets for other mm-hmm. players. It's like what Harry Kane was doing last year for Spurs when yep. he played like the six at some points, and he dropped to get the center backs, get the ball, and then just distribute. But you constantly have to mark him, which is why they won four nothing because they just dom or four one, excuse me, because they just dominated. But
0: I think Real Madrid has a huge win. I think this is a confidence boost especially with the news that we'll eventually talk about with PSG. You know, Kavaringa has been a player that they brought in, and, and, you know, when he was in France, a lot of expectations was that he was going to be this next great midfielder, Pogba, comparisons. Um, Calvaringa's has had up and down season. I think this is a huge goal for him. I think this is gonna really help him with his confidence. He's a, a young player still at Real Madrid. He doesn't get a lot of playing time due to the fact of the trio: Carlos Casemiro, Modric. Those three I trios. Go. I, go. <laughs> they, they, I know, but <laughs> as of right now, they're they're still playing at a yeah. very high level, and he's kind of preventing Calvaringa to kind of get the playing time that I think a young player wants. And but he did get the goal, and you know, with Karim Benzema now scoring goals. And now, fully healthy again. This is going to be a huge test for Real Madrid in the Champions League. They get a 4-1 win in in the Santiago Bernabeu. So, it's going to be a huge question what they could do in the Champions League. And, and it's very comfortable. La Liga, it's theirs. They're not going to blow it, I don't believe. But Barcelona kind of think they... No, but regarding the point, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't changing it. But... Real Madrid played well. They got the three points. It looks like they're trying to get back on track, and we'll see what they do in the Champions League. But we'll get into that a little bit. But Real Madrid, huge win. Now, Ben, let's get to Atlético Madrid. I saw this game against Real Betis. It was the battle of the Champions League. Fourth against fifth at the time. Kind of switched positions now. Atlético Madrid get a Joao Félix brace. In a 3-1 win over Albetis, Betis, what was your takeaway from that game? I mean, it was it was crazy.
1: Yeah, I I I want to talk about Joe Felix. He's, <laughs> he's just like, he, what was he, a hundred-something million from A hundred million dollars. And he just pops in and out this whole time. Yeah. Like, it, he's so not talked about. No. But he should be. Should be. It's good for him that he's kept under the radar for so long that mm-hmm. like, his flaws have not been noticed because there's definitely a lot of bigger players out there. But, like, seeing him finally kind of coming good is a good start. I think Athletic are definitely going to start. I think this is like once they... Griezmann most likely will go back to Barcelona. I don't think he's going to stay there.
0: Hmm, interesting, okay. Um.
1: Just I think Xavi's going to give another shot and it seems like he wants to go back. They're going to lose Suarez to uh, Aston Villa potentially this summer which I think is going to happen.
0: Oh, okay. Gonna, Predictions. A lot
1: of turmoil where I think Felix is going to have to step up and having these senior players around him where he's able to do it in a system like this. Yeah. This is his these next few months are going to be crucial for how he's going to move on with the rest of his career.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a, a great story in which Joao Phillies. He's been, you know, ever since he made that huge signing from Benfica, um, you know, when they played here in America, you know, he had a couple of good moments against Real Madrid and we thought, oh wow, this is going to be Joao Felix. <laughs> he's finally here. And then, you know, in La Liga and we saw in that season, that first season he really struggled. He had injuries. You know, for the last couple of years he's the same issue, hasn't scored enough goals, hasn't been you know that difference maker that they thought they were going to get and you know i think the last couple weeks we've we've seen a different joao felix yeah. i think a lot of criticism has come uh, to atletico madrid and also to joao felix you know um charlos has also talked about joao felix you know all right he wants this he has to you know he wants to he has to show us what he is and you know he gets the double i think he makes great runs and, You know the way this atletico madrid and i think We really have to stop kind of putting this Atletico Madrid of a 2.0, you know, the different style. They clearly have one style under their manager who's been there forever, and that is defending well and then counterattacking at a very high level. And that's what this team has naturally done historically. When that team does it and it's on its A game, it's really tough to beat. That's why, you know, we'll see what they do in the Champions League as well in a couple weeks. But still, this team has a huge opportunity to uh to advance if Joao Felix could continue to play at a high level. Luis Suarez looks like he's getting older. He's not getting the minutes he, he did last year. And it's also gonna be on Correa, who's been really well for this team. But if Joao Felix can play like the way we saw him in, you know, that final season in Benavica, the player that, you know, made him a hundred million, I think this team could advance. But also great game from Rodrigo DePaul and also uh, Hector Herrera, which we'll get into a little later. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, hey, go ahead, yes. So Paul is probably one of the most
1: underrated players yes. in all of the world soccer. He's so good, and until uh, until the Copa America, yeah. I knew who he was from Udinese, but I never, I think it was Udinese, mm-hmm. but I never watched him play. Mm-hmm. He's a technical genius. Yes, it's just the, the way he strikes a ball and how he finds these passes—it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. It's definitely a name that needs to be highlighted more because he's doing fantastic things and is continuing to do them mm-hmm. without the credit he deserves.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely agree with you. He was—I think in that game, that final in the Copa América against Brazil, I think he was the man of the yeah, match. he—he was. Yeah. He, he was a, Completely, as you mentioned, a genius. He just knows plays, and plus he kind of knows the way of of kind of getting fouls, getting his calls. So I think it was a huge uh, boost for for that Atletico Madrid team to make that signing. And I think you know we'll see what they can do. But you know, huge win. They got three points. They're now in the first time in the top four. So uh, let's see what this team. So now this, by the way, this is the first time that Sevilla, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid have first time they're all in the top four Hmm. this season. Took that long. Let's get into MLS. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you've been you've been kind of really diving into the MLS. You know, we're a little we started this podcast a little late than we expected because you know we're now a couple weeks into the MLS season. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of teams making their stadium debut. Not Charlotte. The, not the Revs. Not the Revs. Not the Revs. No, 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 not <laughs> the Revs. No, not the Revs. But Charlotte. Um, but early on, we saw a couple. of The Red Bulls made a huge win. We saw. A couple of huge results, but so let's get into uh, Saturday's results. So, so let's start with the Revolution. So what was your takeaway against their one nothing win over FC Dallas? So give us Ben, go ahead. I'll
1: take the mic and put it low. Me. <laughs> okay,
0: so this is really this is the only MLS game
1: I've watched this weekend because I like there's a lot of teams I like from the MLS, but I I when I sit down from seven thirty to twelve like two in the afternoon watching the all Prem and then I'm like I gotta watch a red I watch a Revs game but yeah. Terrible, 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 and well, let me say it again. Terrible result. <laughs> uh, it was just boring. It was really boring from Car- like Seal scores a penalty. Cool. Um, Kessler is back, which is a big loss to the Revs because obviously he is a U.S. Men's National Team setup player that's going to be in the rotation for these World Cup qualifiers. So having him back instead of Omar Gonzalez, which was really nice. Um, he's back. <laughs> he's back. Really that weird neck thing. I don't know what he was doing in that yeah. game. Yeah. But um, Turner is the big, big talking point yep. right now because he's – I don't know what they're going to do without him. There's talks that they're going to get Ethan Horvath from Nottingham for us, which is yep. big. Um, so he's gone. tejon has gone, so they're lacking a lot of creativity in the final third. Right. And they've signed – God, they've signed Josie Altador. And <laughs> when you put Josie on, he does nothing. He he's not a he's not a pass first striker. He's not. He'll make some of the runs, but he's not going to be creative. And you're just looking for a poacher in the box. So you have to completely swap your situation that's happening on the field around him, and it's just it's not going to work. He was the worst signing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I
0: mean, I, he, I mean, he he. It could be worse, you know. I, I,
1: someone who wants to work from the Revs, like, I understand. I know how to to not be biased, but but come on. Like, why Josie Elton? All the the strikers they could have gotten, right? Like, he's not going to cut it. Um, And they're not going to win the MLS Cup this year. That's
0: my answer. So, you know, when I look at some of the results and I looked at that result, um, I think, listen, that was a game you talked about very boring. But I still think this team has plenty of talent. They yeah, they, added, do. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. still a lot of – you know, their team that coming off winning the um, Eastern Conference, their team that added a couple of players and mentioned – I still believe Altidore has something left. I'm not saying – <laughs> It's a little bit left. Something <laughs> left. I mean, I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm not even saying – he's a player that, you know –
1: He's a locker room guy. He's a locker room
0: guy. room guy. He's also maybe a guy that can come off the bench, get you a, a winner, or even a tie, game tie and get a goal – so I think that's kind of what you expect from this team, and I, also a player to watch. I really like Sebastian Linzet. I, I'm a big fan of him. I really do. I think with the national team he played well. I think when he, we, um, in LA he played really well. So I really like that when they made that trade for him. I really like that. I think this team still has a lot of talent and still has a chance to win the Eastern Conference again. I know we see these teams win, uh, have the best record, and then the next season they just fall, just like the Red Bulls a couple seasons ago. But Still, I think they got the thirty points. They're still right there, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, really cool. They just—they yeah.
1: really lack creativity,
0: and that's no. Yeah. You're right. I forgot
1: to mention Logesh. That's a big signing. Um, yeah, him and Areola are, like have to be in the U.S. Matchup. Like the they're like Swiss army knives for that team, but yeah, they they're not as creative. as Tejan Buchanan. Tejon takes up the space of about two average creative players, and when you like when you lose him, yeah, it, it's it's just not going to. work. It's not going to work for them this year. They're gonna. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not yeah. going to get nearly as close as they were last year.
0: So let me ask you then, Ben, What was your biggest takeaway outside of the revolutions from this MLS weekend? Um, I have one, but you can I'll go. Let, I'll let you go, all right, first, go. Let go first. All right, right, I'll let you think. Uh, I'll probably go with the the historical. I'm going with historical perspective, and I'm going with Charlotte breaking the all time <laughs> record. Now, seventy five thousand people in the stadium, largest crowd in MLS history. And but they got spoiled because Los Angeles the Los the LA Galaxy got the win and so it kind of spoiled that whole show. And you know, the big takeaway was, you know, this LA team and I think we're starting to see, you know, we saw Javier Hernandez get the winner in the in the game one and I think maybe this LA Galaxy team can finally get some results and maybe they can be In the playoffs, I know this team has struggled the last couple of years. They added um Diego Costa, who I mean, right? Am I saying that? Yes, I thought I'm saying it wrong. Oh, L- yeah, Douglas, Douglas, Douglas Costa. Douglas. I said Diego, uh, Douglas Costa, yeah. And thank you. And he, uh, he's the player that I think will add something different. He's a, a different element player, he's a playmaker, he can, a player that can go in the wings and give some crosses for Javier Hernandez. So for me, LA Galaxy are a team to watch. They got a huge win already. They have, I believe, right now. Six points, so that's good start for them. I think always they had historically had bad start, and for the Galaxy, I think this is good that they have two victories early on because this could help them moving forward.
1: Yeah, um, I, mm-hmm. I did think of mine. Uh, the Portland Timbers, they so they, they went to the MLS Cup finals last year, yeah. Um, a really, really good side, they got two, yeah, they're two points into the season. Um, but I think they're gonna make a really deep run, they have some grit about them, where like okay, they're not. They're not a pass-first team. Like, they're not—what they do is the counterattack, which I, I can't remember what team we're talking about before, but they yeah. just spring into it, and mm-hmm. it's incredible to watch. Like, they're going to be a team to definitely look out for that are going to come from the bottom, right. like like the bottom playoff spots, and they're just going to rise up to the top and they're yeah. gonna make a deep run, honestly.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there, and speaking of that, let's get into some MLS news with— some players making their move into MLS, and there's rumors, and obviously it's now confirmed. Uh, Hector Herrera is gonna make his move when his con- when his contract expires with Atlético Madrid. He'd be joining Houston Dynamo. Uh, ben, what's your reaction from that news? Huh?
1: I'm gonna bring up some names here. All right, minute. go ahead. I got Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, uh, Andrea Perlo, and Steven Jordan. Okay. Four incredible players like generational type teams came to MLS and they all were terrible absolutely terrible Um, but they brought along with them this stigma that the MLS is the elephant graveyard it's a term that's always tossed around with the MLS and it's gone away for a while there's been a lot of players I think every year there's about 5 or 6 players that go to Europe to a very decent side and all of a sudden now they've brought back douglas costa like you mentioned and you've brought back you've brought in hector herrera who's only 31. 31. so obviously there is it's a payday for him i'm assuming yeah um but it's just not the right move mls clubs need to stop looking I, i'm not saying he's a good player he's a very good player but they're trying to bring in these star players who once were stars i think he was at was it porto where yeah. he shined um same with douglas costa where he went from Juventus. But for uh, Byron as well like Trying to bring in these big time players Who are just past their prime And just looking for a paycheck They need to stop doing that Because it's, their league is too good for that now They don't need these players to sell seats They can do that by themselves Charlotte like you mentioned I can't even name you a player on Charlotte I'm not going <laughs> to lie But like they did it without selling Like without big time players They're just right. bringing back the stigma That the MLS is this elephant graveyard It's a massive step back to the league I disagree with you. Okay, okay.
0: I disagree with you. I am a fan of Hector Herrera. I love his game. I think this is a huge addition to Houston. They have really struggled to attract players. And I think if you're going to spend big, spend it on a player that I think would be a player that can impact you. And, yes, he's struggled, you know, right now with the national team. I think that's kind of the big criticism that's come out. And, you know, yes, he's starting right now for Atlético Madrid. And, yes, they're still struggling as well as a club. But I think, this is a, I think this is a signing where I look at it as is this. You know, you know when you see the Mexican players come to MLS, and, and especially go to a team in Houston where obviously the, uh, the population of Mexican-Americans is really big there, I think he has to perform. And I look at it as he goes there. You look at Chicharito, yes, his first season comes back, second season plays well. Carlos Vela comes from Europe, plays well. Um, I go with Giovanni... Santos, Don, yeah, I was going to say, what I, about the Santos? Yeah, I was going to say, Giovanni Don Santos yeah, early on played well. Yeah. Jonathan Don Santos played, you know, pretty well as well. I think when these Mexican players come to the MLS, they understand also, especially on the market they're part of, they have to perform. You know, I I don't think it's good. Yes, you might be right in the end, but I think two years of good Hector Herrera will make a difference. Yeah. No, and I, I think he will make a difference for this team
1: yeah it's not a knock at him as a player i just don't i don't like now where i don't mind mls players going uh or like ingrown players going like from like smaller mls team to a bigger one or even they're pulling older players from europe that like aren't out of their prime but they're just kind of on the fringes um i just don't like when they're taking these type of players and it's you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as as if he's just coming for a paycheck, or you can look at it as if he wants to go there because the MLS right. is up and coming. It's a it's there's two perspectives to look at it with, but I just don't like how the MLS are like. It, there's no need for this. Like they've proven, especially with the LFC Dallas Academy, that they can create talent, um, and they're proving that there is talent here. So why I don't like taking spots away from home group yeah. talent that could take that jump and even the dynamo of a really good academy as well so
0: it, it's only a three-year deal so yeah. he'll be 34 it's not like a huge contract or yeah. i know he'll we all know the, n- the numbers he'll get but he'll probably yeah. it's a big number up there but i still believe he's a player i really liked him he's a player that could really make an impact in your midfield i think he could uh help houston i think they've really been struggling for a while i think this could help them so we'll see what happens there to the Champions League because we got huge, huge matchup this weekend. I mean, which matchup are you looking forward to uh, this upcoming week?
1: You'd think I'd say City, but it's it, I'm not It's basically over. It's five nothing. So I'm not even gonna say that. Um, I want to see Salzburg versus Bayern. I think okay. it's gonna be a really good game. Salzburg. It's a one-one series. Okay. Um, but I just. They're going they're going to Munich. I just think if Salzburg hold them at bay for long enough, they can do something really quickly. And mm. uh, and then it turns into a Byron has to go after it. So I, those are the type of games I really like where the where the play, the team that's like the underdog is on the back foot the whole time and they're just getting peppered and all of a sudden they just spring on a counterattack and score. And I think Brendan Aronson gonna have a fantastic game in that time.
0: I think you already know what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> it's Real Madrid, PSG. Uh, I, two, I, I'm two I'm reasons. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you, 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 Kind of gave me, you gave me the pass to the layup. Yeah, so yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's my, here's my thing, and I have two things. And obviously, let's get to the news of, um, the news that came out earlier today. Yeah. The news of Kylian Mbappe, um, got injured during training. I think there's a video out of him getting injured. I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not, but, um, he's doubtful, for. The match is, I mean, the the clash between Madrid and PSG. So this is going to be a huge loss for PSG. But, but, uh, guess who's returning back to the Santiago Bernabeu is Leo Messi. Uh, He, yeah, so I look at this matchup, this is going to be... Obviously great. If even without Mbappe, I think this is a game for Leo Messi. This is an opportunity for everything to go through him, which I think this is where Messi feels more comfortable when everything's going through him. Yep. I think he's really struggled to kind of adjust to a player that's better than him right now, and I think Mbappe is better than him. It's not to knock against him, but, you know, age, attrition, everything kind of you see. And Messi's the number two, which is very real because Throughout his career, he's been the number one, but this time he's number two. But in this game, if Mbappe is doubtful, and we still don't know. Again, it's it, it says doubtful, but it's very early. On, it's so. very early. We all know um, Wednesday things could change. Uh, but if Messi does not have Mbappe, if uh, PSG don't have Mbappe, I think this is an opportunity for Leo Messi to show one. So again, once again, why he's still one of the best, and with Neymar. They have plenty of players to still kind of rely on. But this matchup will be crucial because, again, we talked about the Real Madrid game. A huge win over Ralph Sostia, 4-1, very comfortable. But the the key player that's not going to be there is Casemiro. He's not playing. And that, I think, will be the difference. Real Madrid's midfield can't dominate the way they want to because Casemiro, I, I wonder who's going to play in that position. I am I would go with uh, Federico Valderde. I would go with him. He's a little versatile. He can really kind of... Uh, Make plays And you know Stretch and has legs That can plan to defend Against PSG But um, I'm curious to know What maybe Calparangu gets a start That'll be a huge Opportunity for him Uh, But I think Lionel Messi This is a huge opportunity For him to show uh, He had four goals In the Champions League He hasn't played Terribly bad In the Champions League You know There was a lot of Criticism of him In that first leg I think Returning back to the Santiago Bernabéu A place where you know he, he used to play a lot In Barcelona I think this is a huge opportunity And I think he'll perform well And I think PSG Will advance
1: Yeah I think the one And Bobby's a big miss I'm Yes not gonna Absolutely Absolutely But What I mean especially when they played City in the group stage One of the biggest Criticisms I had was They leave four players high, and they refuse to track back. And Mbappe was always one of them, where he would not drop too, too deep to go after the ball. Is it the worst thing if he's not playing? Because they're going to get more defensive. And I think uh, Paredes was also, and Paredes and Ander Herrera were also um, on the injury list, which is two players who would be playing in that midfield that could potentially take a spot, but is it the worst thing if he's not playing because they're going to get more defensive stability? Yes. And they're up on nothing.
0: Yes. So Ramadren has to go for the game. Yes. Yes.
1: So it's it's not the worst. It could be a lot. If they were down, I'd be like, all right. Mm-hmm. But also they wouldn't, they just, they don't they don't defend from all positions. There's like there's six defenders on the field and then there's just four strikers that just refuse to track back. But every once in a while they will to kind of show their manager. Yeah. So
0: it's not the worst thing that he's out. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised If B- Mbappe doesn't play I wouldn't be surprised If PSG Go Messi Neymar And then Basically go for um, go A back and forth Yes yeah. I wouldn't be surprised If that would be The tactic Now I wouldn't do it Because I just I believe you're only up One goal And that could really Just change your tactics But a player we also Talked about as well You talked about him Is Kareem Benzema Yep He needs to have A, a huge game for Real Madrid um, he did it in the weekend. Can he do it again? I think also the criticism with him is without Ronaldo, he hasn't won. You know, he hasn't had that game where we look at him like, okay, he's had plenty of, of, of games against Barcelona and, and Team La Liga, but a Champions League game. Yeah. Can he step up and be that player? And that's be the huge question mark. I think he could do it. I do, but he needs to do it because they are down one nothing. So, a lot of questions. I think another player we have to probably talk about is Marco Verratti, who... Oh my, oh my! If you watch that first game, <laughs> yeah. oh my! He he's a. Full, I think Pep Guardiola talked about this as well. I think after they played um, PSG, he's like he's just.
1: Pep wanted him at one
0: point. Man, never, yes, yes, I remember game. that. Yes, he is so good, and if he's on his A game like he did in that first leg, I don't think Real Madrid wins. Just despite that, Marco Ratti just he was all over the place. He just would going over tackles 50 50 balls in possession just tight spaces i mean fantastic marco Verratti is a player to watch at his best um he's a player to watch for this psg team, uh, team as well you know despite the injuries as you mentioned ben but i think i think psg as i said will advance i don't know what you think about that but i think one goal it's going it, i think it's going to be tight because Ramajir will go for it but, and Vinicius could get some opportunities, but in the end, I think Messi will perform. I think this is, I think he's heard the criticism enough where I think he knows he needs to perform, and I think he'll get a goal in PSG events.
1: I think it's the biggest thing is how, like I said, how they line up. Yeah. If they, if they put all, if they put d if they, they could do d and Neymar, Messi, and Acardi. Yeah. if they do that, I think they're going to lose. If they somehow, like you said, Neymar and Messi up top and kind of leave Messi a little bit higher and Neymar in behind, I think yeah. they have a good shot at winning because you're only th- throwing away two players um, defensively. So it's really all how they line up. And I think Real Madrid... I think Real Madrid's going to make it 1-1. And then, like, it it just depends on who's on the field. But I think PSG get in these weird positions where if, they, if they're on the back foot, like... It's yep. just not that they, they don't like playing like that. They don't like being down. So this is a good position for them to be in where they know they have a lead and they can kind of get a little comfortable with yeah. it. Um, but... If they go down
0: to one, it's over. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a one-goal series. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love these games. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't know what you think, but the away goal, I missed that. Oh. It, oh it, I, I oh. Completely disagree. I hated it. Oh no no! I, oh my <laughs> goodness! I love it so much. I miss that away goal. I mean, it just made the game so beautiful, um, tactically. Yeah. And obviously, it's gone, so it obviously completely just everything throws out the window for this. But uh, definitely, you know. It's a game where Real Madrid has to go for, you know, with no Eagles and he basically have to win the game if Real Madrid ties. So, yeah, it's winner-take-all. So, we'll see what happens, and I think this is going to be a huge matchup to watch and to see if Kylian Mbappe is going to play. But according to reports out, Kylian Mbappe is doubtful for the game against Real Madrid. So I think we had a story of Weston McKinney. Kind of yeah. get into that, yeah. Uh, and I think it's, I think it all
1: ties back in. Not just McKinney, but Stefan and Matt Turner are all going to be gone mm. for this next World Cup camp. McKinney's out the whole season, so how are they going to qualify without him? There's one name, and it's Joe McGabusio, yeah. who I think is going to be huge. Um, yeah, he was unfit in the last camp, so he didn't get into it. But he will be the player to replace Weston McKinney, and I think he honestly could start in this series. They're also missing Gio Reyna
0: again. He's yeah which is another yeah we'll, we'll have time We'll we'll get into a lot of conversations on, yeah. on the U.S. when we get closer to their qualifier but yeah the, the fact that McKinney's out for the season is unfortunate um, I hope he gets a good recovery you know those foot injuries we've seen in the past we've yeah. seen reports of a player sometimes it's very tricky because especially it's the it's the foot that you play with it's very uh, tricky to see how the injury is handled. I hope he takes his time on this, doesn't rush, because you know I think the U.S. will qualify regardless if they don't got yeah. McKinney. He's a crucial player, and I think he'll still make the roster for the World Cup, but he has to be careful with this injury. This is a very uh, important injury where if he uh, makes a mistake or relapses again, then I think it's going to cost him potentially his World Cup. And I think that's not what you want from a player that's really crucial to the United States and also to Juventus, who... Um, Who's he's had a much better season than he did last season under Pirlo? So it's a down for the United States, but I think hopefully he gets a good recovery and comes back.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what Burhalter does really well, we saw with Aaron Long when he went down with his ACL yeah. last year, is he will, I'm sure Greg is in constant contact with him, just not rushing him back. Because the World Cup, we have to remember, is not in the summer now, it's in yeah. the winter. Oh, yeah. He has oh, yeah. four or five months to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine, but. They're going to need a goalkeeper for this training. I think it's going to be Horvath, Sam, Sean Johnson and then like Yeah. I don't even know who else they're going to call. Yeah, I mean
0: they're definitely going to call maybe they can go younger. I mean maybe maybe not. Yeah.
1: You need someone exp- I think Sean's uh Johnson's going to get the nod, mm-hmm. which sucks. Uh
0: I think I mean he's a solid goalkeeper. I would go with him. I think Johnson has been terrific for, as you saw, you know, the new champions of the MLS, yeah. uh, New York City FC. So why not? Yeah,
1: it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting camp because a lot of those as well. Like I said, Gio Reyna's out. John Brooks probably not going to get back in because he's okay. going to be he's all over the place right now, looking for a new team as well as he just got dropped for form yeah. last one. So it we'll get into it another time. But it's gonna be a very interesting camp, and I'd love. To predict who's going to... I think that's i <laughs> I'll probably do a
0: prediction. Yeah, no, no. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, when we get closer to that, we'll definitely, yeah. you know, dissect on that one. But um, we'll get to our final segment. Yeah. Kind of discussing um, a little series, but then we'll try to... Lighten the mood a little bit. Um, Talking, what was your reaction from some of these news that's happening with Russia? You know, we see the Soccer Federation. We saw even the FIFA game, you know, taking away all of everything. Russia, I mean, what was your reaction now, Ben, from from what they did, their decision?
1: What I really liked about it, it's kind of talking about this, but it's also when there's a lot of issues that happens in soccer yeah and they make sure to make it a focal point but mm-hmm. tv broadcasts will pick it up everything yeah everything makes it a focal point where like so like zinchenko was captain against petersburg and picked yeah it up. uh west ham wore yarmolenko jerseys during their warm-ups right like, they do these things but what i also really like is that in the city game i think i don't i think they did for every game but they did the moment of silence at the half yeah and the, with the armbands with the ukraine flag but then they also did the Black Lives Matter thing, mm-hmm. which is something... And they still do. Yes, and it's it's something that's so cool that they're not just... Because they've basically thrown away the Black Lives Matter. Like, a lot of their stuff that they were doing, yeah. they've kind of thrown it away and given it a, put it on the back burner, which so I don't Yeah,
0: yeah it's the yeah. best
1: thing. But they're combining both of these things, which I was not expecting at all, and it's something that really surprises me that they've done, and it's honestly awesome.
0: See. I think soccer has kind of been different from some of these other leagues because it's more global. Um, some of the, the reactions, I actually, you know, I was, we're having a conversation about this, and I was like, well, you know, when this came out, because uh, another important point, another point, point, Ben, is that Russia are still trying to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Ukraine are trying to qualify for a World Cup. And the fact that, you know, you know the war that's happening right now Clearly, it's a conflict of interest, and until the pressure got into FIFA to finally make a decision to, you know, uh, ban Russia, that was the best decision they needed. They, that was a, a decision that that should have been way earlier than it did, because immediately they just, you know, kind of put a statement out and didn't do really much. But they needed to make action because clearly there, there's, if you re, don't remember, '94, they also did this. There was another thing going on, and they suspended a, they banned the team from. FIFA banning another country yeah. from going entering um, its competition. So I think this is a decision that needs to be made. I applaud all uh, of the leagues that have been doing it. La Liga has been doing it. Um, the Premier League has been awesome in, in doing all that it do, Black Lives Matter, yeah. and everything that's done. So that's kind of, I appreciate what they do, and I think this is a decision that's appropriate right now because clearly it's a big conflict going on. And I think FIFA needed to to, to show its power right now, and, and to show that you know this is not something that is going to be allowed. And right now, all the leagues are suspended, so this is the only decision they needed to make. So I applaud everything, and hopefully, you know, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. If this changes, but yeah. definitely good decision from FIFA, UEFA, um, making the mark of getting decision of getting at least at the moment Russia has to be removed from. From what it does right now So we'll see If that affects uh, The bottom line In the World Cup of Qatar Which we still don't know There's still not A lot of what's going on So it's still a lot going on So we'll find out more um, As the story continues To to trend Um, Ben Is there anything else You got to hit today Um, I think we did Pretty much everything Yeah Um, This is probably Our first podcast That we've done together and so we'll get into more we'll create more segments for everybody uh and hopefully we can um continue to talk about the sport that's been kind of global and talked about and yeah, yeah. what do you think
1: i got I really got anything <laughs> I'm, gonna start, I'm, covering, uh, I'm gonna start covering MLS so next so uh, i'll bring you some alerts on definitely
0: that. definitely on that um any projects you're working on, Ben, That um, at least at the moment, that you want to discuss? Yeah, I mean, I'll go first. I yeah, go awesome ahead. As well. yeah. Uh,
1: I am creating a Twitter documentary series on uh, Palo Suarez, who's a former Piak player, yeah. um, who's now playing at Rochester, New York FC, which is the only MLS Next team that doesn't have an MLS affiliate. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, he's a fantastic kid who's got a really cool story that I want to exploit. So um, it's on my Twitter, Ben underscore Kane4, where I'm doing that. I will make a long-range article, but I... Uh, I uh, big big news for Ben. I got the follow from the men's soccer coach last night on Twitter. So that was yeah. cool for me. And then um, the, the his team, professional team, now is starting to look at my work. So it's it's slowly picking up, which is what I want. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully it'll go somewhere.
0: Definitely, definitely. Nah. Um. Well. So I so people have been talking about Pedri. Yeah. Um. So I really wanted to work on a piece on Pedri. Um. Inside, kind of of the decision of Barcelona signing him in 2019 because i think that's a story that hasn't been talked about um i have a correspondent from barcelona that i'm interviewing and hopefully we can discuss kind of the in-depth of how Pedri uh, eventually signed with barcelona because i think he's the next upcoming midfielder that's going to be coming uh for generations to come so i think i have that project that i'm working on so i want people to understand kind of the story of how Pedri. um Sign with Barcelona It's kind of Not similar of Liel Messi's You know Signing the napkin But it's kind of Intriguing for a lot of people So hopefully people Kind of understand that And how he Rona rose to To the player That he is now So definitely It's something that that You know Hopefully Gets to get talked about But yeah yeah, no, It's a story that I Pedri Pedri's story Is kind of intrigued But I hope the world Kind of can find out About that So that's our last word from the Final Whistle podcast from Ben Kane, Marvin, and Guetta. We'll see you guys next week. Everybody enjoys another soccer week.